Good morning, Willow Park Church. Welcome and thank you for joining us online. It's always a pleasure to see you and that you've taken time to come and to worship with us. I know we're in for a great time of worship. We're in the Hidden Series. And really the aim of this Hidden Series is to talk about how we foster a deeper, more meaningful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said last week, Christianity is a religion of revelation. So often people kind of think that God created everything and then God left the building. A little bit like Elvis has left the building. And we've just got to get on with it and we believe in God purely because of our own reason, purely because of how we can see the cosmos and see creation. And we don't engage with God on a personal level. Well, of course, the Hidden Series is all about learning to engage with the Lord on a very intimate, personal level. And last week, I spoke to you about the power of abiding in Christ. And the message of abiding is quite simple. When we abide, we learn to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's that intimacy and that closeness that comes. There's that knowing that he is with us and that on our life's pilgrimage, he is traveling with us. And that fellowship makes such a difference in our lives. We were called into fellowship in the same way that a shepherd calls his sheep in the ancient scriptures. So Jesus calls us to come and be with him, to come and walk with him, to come and dwell and have that relationship and that presence. The result of this is that our faith comes alive. It's, it's buoyant. It is energized. It is transformed. It is it's Strictly speaking, it's, it's what Jesus spoke about. We do not wither in John chapter 15. Our faith no longer withers or dies because that fellowship brings life. It helps us to resist the temptations of life. Do you ever say no to sin? To be able to, to resist those desires that come to us and be able to know God's grace in the middle of great testing and temptation. It also forms our character. And when we spend time abiding and praying and reading the scriptures, it forms our character as well. And often we forget that the reason God created us was to shape us and to be with us and forms that character deep within us. I think the one thing we know about the pandemic is that it is creating challenges to us at a level of our character of the ongoing stress and emotion. But this is an opportunity for the Lord's hand to come into our hearts and to shape us into those people that worship the Lord and know his presence. And really that leads me nicely that as we step into this teaching today and a time of worship led by Curtis, that we can allow ourselves to have that time of deep fellowship with the Lord and move deeply. So welcome. Please let us know that you're out there by writing in the, the chat and so we can communicate to you. But let me pray. Father, at the beginning of this time of worship, we thank you that we can pause, we can rest and we can invite you to come close to us. And I pray whether people are watching 
uh, in their homes, whether they are in their bubbles, whether they are watching on Facebook Live as they're moving through the activities of life. I pray, Lord, that you will come close to everyone this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Enjoy this time of worship with Pastor Curtis. Good morning, everybody. Good morning and welcome. Welcome to Willow Park Church. Wherever you are, we are together now, joined by the Spirit, and uh, we are going to worship. I think somewhere around 3,000 years ago, this, this was written um, by a director of music. It's simply called a song, a song, Psalm 66, a call to worship, if you like. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done. His awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, you, God, you tested us. You refined us like silver. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Heavenly Father, I love to tell the world what you've done for me. You sent your son and it changed my life forever. It changed the world forever. Thank you for that. Thank you for this time together where we can celebrate that and celebrate you and your awesome power. We celebrate with joy. We say, how awesome are your deeds. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? When the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one. Did you feel the people tremble? Did you hear the singers roar? When the lost began to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one. see that God you're moving a mighty river through the nations and young and old will turn to Jesus fling wide you heavenly gates prepare the way of the risen Lord open up the doors and let the music streets resound with singing 
You are more, you are more than my words will ever say. You are Lord, you are Lord, all creation will proclaim. You are here, you are here, in your presence I made whole. You are God, you are God, of all else I'm letting go. of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your embrace light of the world forever my heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your embrace the light of the world forever my heart will sing no other name Jesus sing no other name Jesus Jesus Come thou fount of every blessing To my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious song 
sung by flaming tongues of power. Praise his name, I'm fixed upon it. Name of God's redeeming Love has blessed me, thou hast brought me to this place, and I know thy hand will bring me safely home by thy good grace. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger bought me with his precious blood Oh to grace how great a debtor daily I Thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to Thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for Thy courts above. Here's my heart. Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts of of this moment, this service. You're indescribable beyond words, but we love you so much. And we, we give this to you. Thank you for joining us together in this manner. And bless everybody here, there, wherever they are. We are all together in your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Enjoy the rest of the service. God bless you. Thank you, Curtis, for taking the time to lead us so well. And of course, this past week we had our first uh, hymn sing in a long time and Curtis led that. It was also filmed. So you can go onto the website, click and watch that hymn sing. Some of the great hymns of the Christian faith that lift us and excite us. We had about 30 people here that joined in the hymn sing and it was so wonderful to have that time together. And we were so blessed. So thank you, Curtis, for leading us. Now is the time for communion. And as we gather together, communion is always a beautiful time to remember and to reflect 
And all that Jesus Christ has done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but can receive everlasting life. That God loved us. And we remember right now that Christ came and died upon the cross. His body was broken. So he could reach us and save us and free us. He paid the price for sin. He gave his life. He took, as it were, the wrath of sin and death upon himself and was willing, willing to carry that in his body so that you and I need never carry it in our lives. So the bread, the body of Christ, which is broken for you, eat it and remember Remember that the blood was poured out. The blood is significant right the way through scriptures. It goes back to the very beginning of the first sacrifice of blood with animals and sheep that were sacrificed in the temple. But those sacrifices could never pay the price for humanity's sin. And of course, Christ came as that Lamb of God, as the one that was willing to die. His blood was shed so it would cry out forgiveness. It would cry out grace. It would cry out love. It would cry out new beginning. It would cry out redemption. It would cry out forgiveness. The blood of Jesus Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Drink it. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, be blessed. Right now we're going to move across and have our Willow One News with lots of different items taking place. It's amazing how as a church we've changed things so we can still keep ministering, still keep connecting with young people, with children in kids club, keep reaching out into our community. Uh, two weeks ago, I shared with you how I led somebody to Christ and it was a real blessing. And this last week, I went and saw somebody at the end of life. And that individual gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm absolutely sure that he will enter the kingdom of God as a result of his decision to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the work of the church and it's what we're called to do. So enjoy uh, these notices and then enjoy Pastor Jordan and Pastor Glenn as they share the good news with you. Hello Willow Park Church, my name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. Join us tomorrow night at 7 p.m. as we pray together. Willow One Prayer is happening in person at our Highway 33 location and at Church Online.
You do not need to pre-register to attend in person. Just show up and sign in at the door. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com slash willow1prayer. Save the date for our annual general meeting, which will be happening Sunday, November 8th at 3 p.m. If you are a voting church member, you are encouraged to attend in person. For everyone else, and for those who prefer to attend online, we will have that option as well. More details will be coming closer to the date on how members can register, so watch our website. We are still looking for volunteers for our midweek youth and kids programs. Youth leaders are needed for Wednesday or Thursday nights, and kids volunteers are needed for Tuesday nights. We're also looking for someone to help put together craft kits for our kids' ministry. If you're interested in getting involved, please email the church office at info at willowparkchurch.com. GLOW, our youth group for grades 9 to 12, happens each Wednesday from 7 to 9 p.m. JUICE, for grades 6 to 8, happens Thursday night from 6.30 to 8 p.m. This week is our big group night, and youth will need to register ahead of time in order to attend as space is limited. Visit cahoots.ca for more details. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. a busy time and as Sarah said she's surrounded by five men and there's nothing worse than a man with a cold I tell you what did you do in that other life that theology wasn't very good Sarah right there just before we want to we're glad uh, that you're um, you've joined us and that you've joined us online thank you very much uh, South Community and beyond the globe there on our platform and also uh, on Facebook live we're delighted that you've joined us, and I'm delighted to be with our South community this morning. If you don't know me, hello, I know lots of faces, yes, good to see you. If you don't know me, however, I'm um, Pastor Phil, I'm the uh, lead pastor of Willow Park Church, and we're a beautiful network, a multi-site, well, I don't know what we are anymore, by the way. Uh, we used to be a church of uh, six congregations, four locations, but now we're a church of of hundreds of locations and uh, dwell groups all over the city and uh, trying to keep uh, uh, church going in the 21st century. This is not a time for pastors to back off. This is a time for us to keep pushing in and keep preaching. We don't want to be maintenance mode. We really do, um, we really do want to uh, engage with what the Lord's doing with us and what the Lord is speaking to us in this time in Canadian history when the Canadian church has never operated under these kind of circumstances. And in these uh, days, we have a choice, don't we? 
We have a choice to either step in or to step out. We have a choice to go deeper or to allow our faith to, to really um, to drift. And, and by doing that, um, you know, I'm, it can be very depressing reading pastors' forums and theological research and what people are saying. They're saying up to 40% of people may never return back to the Canadian church. Well, I'm not standing for that. I don't know where they get these figures from. Uh, but, um, but I believe that uh, what the Lord has begun in you and I, he will complete. Amen. He'll do it. Oh, yeah. We're going Pentecostal this morning. That's good. That's good. Um, and, uh, and I really believe he's going to complete that. And I just feel honored to, uh, to serve you and to uh, be able to connect I really want to share, continuing what Pastor Glenn's been sharing, and we've been in our hidden series where we've talked about what it is to pursue God, what it is to foster an inner spirituality, and and to go deeper in our walk and our relationship with God in our lives. And what we're trying to do through this series, hidden series, is really hit some home runs in terms of our own spiritual formation and what God is doing in our lives. Because, you know, Christianity and our spiritual growth will not happen by accident. It doesn't like you just don't wake up one day and you're kind of super spiritual. Oh, bing. No, you wake up one day and you realize that you're a sinner. But you know that you're on a journey to find God. I mean, how many of us have sat at dinner tables, maybe you have, or I can see younger ones at college and school, and, and somebody that you thought and you've reconnected with old friends and you've gone out for dinner and you've been in conversation with them and the conversation has kind of gone like this. Well, yeah, I used to go to church, but, yeah, I don't really, I'm not sure I, I believe that anymore. I'm not sure about this, and I've been exploring this. I was at a dinner party. Uh, I won't mention where I was and what country, in case anybody's watching online, but it was England. And, and I was there, and suddenly people started talking about, basically, and it was heartbreaking. They were talking about the way that they'd really lost any sense of faith. Any sense of the reason, any sense of why bother coming to church, any sense of, of engaging in Christian community. And then you notice the conversation was moving away from orthodoxy of our faith, the fundamentals, and drifting into other directions that are not in line biblically. And I, I felt myself, I mean, I'm a pastor, I felt myself rising up a bit. I was like, I wanted to be the defender of the faith. I wanted to bang some heads together. I don't know. But I know that doesn't work very well. Um, And so engaging in meaningful, and I came away really sad that people that I've known for decades were drifting away from the beauty of a relationship with God. Why on earth does this happen? What happens in somebody's heart and somebody's life who starts to drift away 
from that knowledge. Even pastors I, I, I read of, and, and it, it's nothing unusual. It happened in the ancient church. It happened, you know, throughout history where, where people would lose. And I am absolutely convinced that what we're talking about, hiding ourselves in Christ, that people have not made that transition um, into that deeper relationship. I mean, it, I, I understand it was Robert Clinton, the great... Um, Fuller Bible Institute lecturer that, that devised uh, a kind of idea about, about the spirituality of Christian believers and the spirituality of, um, of pastors. And that we go through what he described five phases. Phase number one is foundational, sovereign foundations. Who you are, where you're born, the gifts that you've got, and all that you've got in your life. Into phase two, between phase one and phase two, there's a moment where we surrender our whole life to Jesus. A moment of conversion. For those of you raised in the Christian home, it may be a moment of absolute lordship when God becomes Lord in your life. Phase two is that zone whereby you end up, you're, you're, you're growing in your inner life. And within phase two, he writes, there is integrity is birthed and you learn to say no to things. You learn to change your actions. You learn to respond to things with integrity. You start to change the way you are. Uh, there's also obedience. You learn to become obedient to the Lord and the Lord is doing inner work. And there's what he calls the word check, that as a Christian in phase two, you learn to hear what God is speaking to you and saying to you. And then you move into phase three, which is maturity when you use your gifts and you bring it together and God trusts you in that journey. And then phase four, which is he calls convergence, uh, convergence is when all your gifts and your knowledge and your character formation and God is working you and you become fruitful and effective in your Christian life. And phase five is finishing well as you keep serving Jesus to the point of death and that you are willing to finish the race well. But he makes the point that many Christians never really actually get past phase two or three. And they kind of vacillate between integrity, between obedience and between that phase two and phase three. Because they're not willing to pay the price to develop that spiritual depth within their lives. And I think some of the drifting in people's lives is because they've never really traveled that journey to go farther and deeper into God. And as Colossians 3.3 3 says, here hiding yourselves in Christ, hiding yourself within Christ. Where are you in the phases? I mean, for some of you, you may have never surrendered 100% to Jesus. For some of you, you may be still battling with integrity and obedience and learning to hear God's voice in your life in the way that God speaks and through Scripture. What I say by all of that is this, that we're all on a journey and we have to be willing to go deep. And that's really what I want to share with you, with the effects of being connected and abiding in the, in the vine and abiding in Christ. Because what I believe is that God is asking us to do is to go deeper and to abide in Christ. Now, what does it mean and what happens when you and I, as believers, abide 
in Christ. What changes in our lives? What takes place at that moment? I mean, it's a bit kind of, it sounds quite theoretical. It's kind of metaphors, abiding. How, what happens in our lives? Well, when we understand, of course, I'll be referring to John chapter 15, the vine. But in our journey, when we learn to be men and women who abide in Christ, the first thing that happens is that we have fellowship with the Lord. It's all about fellowship. From the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth and breathed life into humanity, why were you and I created? You and I were created to have fellowship with God. He wanted to be present with his creation. He wanted to be present in creation. Now, let's do a quick Bible overview. You all know your Bibles. Let's fly through the Bible. Right there in the garden, God walked with mankind in the cool of the evening to have fellowship. And after that and the fall, of course, mankind uh, grew and developed, but went into free fall and into chaos. And the baptism of the flood came, and yet God wanted to maintain that fellowship. So he saved Noah, who was the righteous man in his generation, and so that there could be a second chance. Why? Because he wants fellowship. And then God was so willing to have fellowship that he created a legal agreement between a family the Abrahamic family, and said, I will bless you and you will bless all the nations of the earth through me. And why was that? To have fellowship, to have relationship, to have family. And then, of course, in the, in the desert, when the people were freed from, from Egypt, from slavery, he came and dwelt amongst them in the tabernacle. And there was the cloud and the fire, and God was with his people. Why was that? Because he wanted to have fellowship. He wanted to be present. He wanted to be amongst the people. There's the first temple, the second temple. Why? Because he wanted fellowship. But then the great prophets started to speak. Isaiah and many others spoke of Emmanuel, a coming God with us. And there was that moment when, when the baby was born uh, through Mary, the virgin, and, and, and the Savior, Christ, came into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. Why? Because God wants fellowship. Why was he now to the cross? Because God wants fellowship. Why is God willing to do all of this and send the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? Because God wants fellowship with you. And why at the end of time there'll be a new creation and a new beginning? Because God wants fellowship with you. And right at the end of the book, it says, Now the dwelling... Of God is with human beings and he will live with them and they will be his people and he will be with them and be their God. God has always wanted to dwell with his people. He has always wanted to have fellowship with us. Now, and of course, in 1640, deism appeared uh, where it kind of spoke about that God exists because of rationale and because of reason. In fact, 
Denominations, strange denominations were created, such as the Unitarians, if you know about denominations, that actually were based upon the idea that God created everything, and deists step back and they say, God creates everything, we know this by reasonable, but as far as God being involved in our lives, this is that. That's it. God's not personal. He's not about revelation. He's not about uh, a book. We know God exists because of the reasonable idea of the universe, but that's it. Can I tell you that that is not our faith? Because our faith is that we enter in to a living relationship, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have fellowship. And when you abide in Christ, it's about a personal relationship. It's about you and God communing together. It's about you and God interacting together. It's about that God is involved in your journey and in your life. And God cares about you. And he looks at you. I mean, that's what encouraged me as a teenager, being raised by an atheist who's occasionally agnostic, my father Usually an agnostic when he's had a few whiskies, and then he becomes an agnostic, but then he goes back to being an atheist. Told me that God never did exist. Told me that God wasn't there. When I met Christians, they boldly declared, you can have a relationship with God. I told them to go away, but they kept coming back. Have you ever met a Christian? They keep coming back. And so he kept inviting me. And they said, you can have a friendship with Jesus Christ. This captured my heart. The idea that as a human being, I could commune and have intimacy and knowledge and relationship with the living God. Because that's what Christ purchased upon the cross. Captured my mind. The problem was when I joined the church, it seemed that lots of Christians didn't seem to have that friendship with God. It wasn't like, oh, Jesus is my best friend. It was like, Jesus is my third cousin removed who lives in Manitoba. You've all got those cousins, haven't you? You know, or wherever you're from. But you know, it, it was like, hmm, this is strange. They, they preach it, but they don't live it. They preach about a relationship. They preach about fellowship. They preach about an intimacy. They preach about a closeness. Oh, they, they talk about the redemptive nature of inner sanctification and God coming into you, but they don't seem to live it. And now I know that's not you because you are a holy bunch of people because, thank you, sister. She's back in the fold now from her theology. But we are... God, who has called you into fellowship. The word called here in the, the, um, in the Greek has the idea of, of a shepherd calling the sheep. It's an intimate thing. It's a powerful thing. It has the idea of Moses in the wilderness and wandering around in his lostness. And suddenly a bush is burning and not consuming the bush. And as he looks at it, God speaks to him and says, I am who I am. You and I have received that calling. It's like the Sea of Galilee with the beautiful um, lapping of the water. You get this scene of old fish, uh, the, the fishermen by the side and Jesus walking along the side, looking at dear Andrew and, 
and Simon and saying, come follow me and I will make you fishermen of men. And then looking at James and John, son of Zebedee, Boanerges. I love that word in the Bible, Boanerges. It means sons of thunder. How did you get that nickname, sons of thunder? Have you thought about that? It's good to know that there were headbangers in the Bible. And they probably had ACDC across their T-shirts. And sons of thunder. Amazing. And he said, come and follow me. You and I have had that same, it's denounced that word called. You and I have been called. Jesus at some point has come alongside you and says, come on. Come on, follow me. I'm going to take you on a journey. I am with you. I love you. Come and follow me. But not follow me to something that is dead and impersonal, but follow me to a deepness, to a connection, to a closeness. Follow me where I'm going to transform your life. I'm going to work. And you will have fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come and follow me. We proclaim to you, as 1 John says, what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So when we abide, it's about fellowshipping with God. When you open your Bible, it's not a routine that is a chore, and you sit there and journal and start to pray. And as Sarah preached so brilliantly about meditating on Scripture and allowing it changing your life, we understand that it's about that connection and that deepness that feeds us and brings life. That's why it's so important that we, 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 we have Sabbath, as, as Glenn preached. We have devotional life. We go deeper. We allow the Lord to take us on the next step of the journey that God has for us. Honestly, prayer is the most precious thing in my life. To be able to be in the presence of the Lord. To be able to take time to sit with the Lord makes such a difference. I, I, I remember I was a, a Youth of Christ evangelist. I was in my 20s. I was flying everywhere, preaching everywhere, doing this, doing that. And somewhere I lost Jesus. That's unfortunate when you lose Jesus, isn't it? Particularly if you're an evangelist. I was like, hmm, somewhere between Doncaster and, uh, and Sheffield, I must have lost Jesus somewhere at a, at a fish and chip shop when like a pair of keys, I looked around and it was like Jesus had gone. And I'd, I'd become a Christian because I believed that you can know God. And I remember sat in a budget meeting at Youth of Christ Talking about numbers, talking about figures, talking about, about, about how many recruits we had, how many thousands came to events, and our income and cash flows, all important things for a non-profit, I guess. And I wrote across the page, in the days when there was a shimmering overhead projector. Do you remember overhead projectors? You can see one in the museum down the road at... Uh, 
in Kelowna. They are, they're still mysterious things. You won't know what an overhead projector is, do you? You know, it's, a, it's an ancient, mysterious thing that has powers beyond you can believe. And you use acetate. Do you remember the word acetate? And you placed an acetate on it. It was a great honor in church life in ancient history to be the acetate placer. How many of you have placed acetates on it? Uh, keep your hands up. Look at these people. They are ancient godly men and women. Ancient godly men and women they are. I love them. They, young man, they serve this generation like you'd never know in ancient days. In a century that is not this century. And I remember watching the acetates shimmering and writing, is this what it's about? And I took my pen and I put a line through the first Wednesday every month and I wrote appointment with Jesus. And 20 yard years ago, 25 years ago, every month I determined to spend one day away with God to pray for my wife, to pray for my children, to pray that God would work, to pray for my businesses, to pray that God would move, to pray for everything. And that one day a month changed the course of my life because it was about abiding. And I learned to take seriously the spiritual formation of my own soul and abide in Christ. You bold enough to have a go at that? You bold enough? I, it was hard work, I'll be honest. I didn't know what to say half the time. I had to learn how to pray. I had to learn how to be with the Lord for a periods of time. I had to learn. And we all have to learn. Otherwise, you know, we'll wither. But when we have fellowship, we won't wither. And maybe the dinner... Um, meal I had with old friends who were drifting in ideas and thoughts, I understand their disappointment, is that, is that the withering came in and they were losing their way. Because Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. That's quite a hard statement, and really it should be in yellow. But I, I, did, the, I did it after, and I've, I got into the word thrown away when I was thinking about it. Because it felt harsh. It felt, it's tough. Thrown away. Of course, he's using that analogy of gardening, of cutting off. If something's withered, it's not worth anything. It's, it's, it doesn't bear fruit. It doesn't have life flowing through it. It doesn't have that intimacy. But in the, in the Greek, it's linked also to the kind of idea of, 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 of actually vomiting. <laughs> it's like God, God can't stand the lukewarmness. And it's that verse in Revelation. You're neither hot nor cold. Sort your life out. Either walk away from me or get into me, but don't be lukewarm because, because that creates a reaction. 
It creates, don't be like this. Don't be lukewarm. Don't allow your faith to wither. Don't allow your faith to die. Don't allow it. Because so often what happens is that we lose this and faith becomes a chore rather than a delight. When you delight yourself in the truth and the glory of the word of God and you delight yourself in the Lord. But it does sound a little bit um, kind of that's it. That if you wither, it's like you can't be brought back to life. And we all know Christians that wither, don't we? And we're like, oh. And they've been on a journey and they've withered. And it's like it's, like it's the end. I bought a load of conifers from, um, from Home Depot. That was probably my first mistake. Sorry if you're online, Home Depot, and watching this. Um, this is not sponsored by you. And... And, and I planted them because everybody went, oh, yeah, conifers, you have to water them. But I bought them from Home Depot because they give a 12-month guarantee that if they die, you can take them back. Well, out of 25 I bought, half of them died within that 12 months. I was taking them back every month. I'd dig my conifer up and I'd bring them in like a body bag and get my money back. It was awesome. And then I'd think I'm not going to buy another conifer. But it's withers. And now I've read all about them, got to water them. Everybody's got advice about these trees. They were just dying. I think my neighbor was poisoning them. I don't know. I'm blaming him. He's moved. And it was, oh, I live in Rutland. There's lots of stuff going on there. And dead conifers everywhere. It's wild. But it's horrible. That I looked out my window. I saw my 25 conifers. And half of them would all turn yellow. And you think there's no hope. A conifer's dead and it's dead. Dig it up. It's not over until it's over. And if your soul needs reviving... If you know people that need reviving, as long as there's breath in your body, there's time to revive. As long as there's breath and willingness to change. Because here, as Psalm 19 says, the Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And if you have become have become withered, you can be revived. You can have life to come in. You can have a fresh love, a fresh excitement. You can have a renewal, if you like, of your spiritual life where that intimacy with Jesus comes alive again. How many of you have experienced a marriage and it's gone a little frosty? I'm trying not to look at anybody in the room at this moment, right? Kids, you know when mom and dad have had an argument, right? Because you walk in the room, you go, what's going on here? And one's in one corner, one's in the other, and they're not really talking to each other. And they're watching Discovery Channel or something, and that's weird. And as, as, you, as they're there, there's a frostiness in the room. How, you'd have to raise your hands if you've been through that. Well, this is what happens in marriage... And it also happens in faith that a frostiness enters a coldness between you and the Lord. 
The Lord wants to revive your soul. The Lord wants to become, and it takes effort. It takes commitment to go deeper. It takes fellowship. I mean, I know that because I'm married. And you've got to work at it. I keep looking at you. I'm sorry. You're just so nice to look at. Like, um, I mean, I mean that in a nice way. But like to preach her because you're like, yeah, yeah. It's like I feel like I'm a youth evangelist again. Give your life to Jesus. Sorry, I'll look at this table now. <laughs> But I love you guys. But, oh, it's like, it's like when I go on my, we have a di- weekly date night with um, Michelle and I. <laughs> I don't have any dates with anybody else. And, and we go on a weekly date night, except when the Maddens come. And, and uh, when I, I've learned something, husband, do not take your phone on a date night. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Because research shows that even having the phone present on the table and it's switched off, you still keep glancing at it. Why? Because I know that when I go on my date with my wife, I have to give her the absolute attention and luck and be present and not be somewhere else. Oh, I can feel the conviction of God now on every man. I'm sorry, brothers. It's true, though. And you do that, and you learn to be in the present. You learn to be focused. You learn to be responsive. You learn to listen. This is great advice. Um, You learn to do that because you know that when that is there, the frostiness goes, and there's an intimacy that is fostered. That's abiding. And I think people in their faith wither because they've lost the beauty of that. And as Hebrews speaks about that his word is powerful and sustains all of creation. And the thing that stops you from withering is the word of God being present in your life and sustaining you. As as Sarah preached about meditation and memorization and grabbing um, the scripture and ruminating on it and meditating on it and allowing that strength. That living word, and the word here in the Greek is rhema, and it means that the now word of what God is saying to you in your life now brings power and helps you get through that illness, helps you get through that difficult relationship, helps you get through that business problem, helps you get through the, the navigating of having teenage kids, and all of the problems with, that go with that and, and, and juggling life and everything that, that we live and are sustained by God's word in our life now. I'm going to have to back away from this because I am going to get too excited and fly off and the whole internet will see it and I'll become a sensation on the internet. <laughs> Pastor falls off stage. Ouch. Can I ask you a question, a bit of check of your heart? What is God saying to you now about your life? And if you're going, hmm, I don't know. Maybe you should press in deeper in your fellowship because God's always got something to say to you, to be with you, to sustain you. 
Because when you face the storms of life, it is the word of God for you now. Yes, we've got the Logos, all the truth of the whole of Scripture, but we need that fresh bread from heaven. And don't feed on the crumbs. Go deep. Go close. Foster intimacy. Foster that. And so you are sustained by, the, by his powerful word. Why? Because when we commune and abide with Christ, we have victory over temptation to sin. Do you ever feel like your thoughts get out of control? Do you feel like you think the craziest things? Do you feel like desires grab hold of you? Do you feel like but each one is tempted when by their own evil desire is dragged away and enticed? Do you feel that process that you can be dragged away, that you can be enticed to compromise? We often are enticed and dragged away because we haven't fostered a spiritual closeness with the Lord. We're not dwelling in his scriptures. We're not allowing it to fill our lives. We're not memorizing Scripture, and when we're driving and we can have the cocktail parties of the brain. I don't, is your brain like that? You can have cocktail parties of all kinds of negativity. You can have horror films going on in your brain of what about this? And this person said this, and anger and insecurity and jealousy, and I feel offended, and I'm going to say this, and because that's how my mind talks. He talks like this, like an old English miserable man. And Horrible. Alf Garnet, just for Sarah. And it just goes on in your brain. But I've discovered that when I live a life abiding, that I am more aware of those thoughts, but the Lord can actually bring those thoughts into line. You are not what you think. <laughs> okay? Who you are is who the image of God is within you. And we have to learn to die. It's very simple spiritual growth. For I no longer live, but Christ that lives within me. I die to myself. I die to my ego. I die to my selfish desire. I die to sin. And the middle letter in sin is I. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I choose. I choose to die to my sin, to myself. And it's so important that we realize that we have authority over the thoughts, over the negativity, over the desires, over the temptation. And we can step back and look at those desires and walk around them and see them. And understand that that not, does not define me, those desires. What defines me is that I'm a son, a daughter of the living God. What does Psalm 125 verse 1 says? Those that trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. They shall not be shaken. They will... Endure forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. God calls me Mount Zion. 
<laughs> he calls me a rock. He says, those that trust in the Lord. And I, I spoke to about, um, I did celebrate recovery with Metro Community. And I spoke, to, I was guest speaking to about 25, 30 odd uh, people in recovery from alcohol, from drug addiction, from porn addiction, from behavior addictions, from codependency. I mean, everything, everything you can think of. And what an honor to share with them. And, and I did challenge them and say, listen, what you think does not define who you are, but you can have victory over your thoughts. You can choose to look at that anger that is there that has caused your addiction and say, I no longer own that anger and I'm going to look at that and I'm going to, I'm going to, as it were, preach to myself. I'm going to bring renewal to myself. I'm going to break the, the, the process and I'm going to learn to think on things that are noble, on things that are uplifting, on things that are excellent, on things that are praiseworthy from Philippians. I'm going to think on the things above. I'm going to learn to keep Christ before my mind. And let me tell you, I know you and I can live with a renewed mind. Why? Well, I... I'm, I, I'm having a good go, okay? I'm really working hard at living at an intimate level with Christ where I think upon the things that are good. And the more you do it, the more it changes you. It makes a difference. Gosh, look at the time I need to finish. And I hear a big amen. Um, but, but those desires, that closeness, that intimacy, I, I've spent quite a bit of time with people in hospice. This last week, I was with somebody in hospice, a 57-year-old man who'd never followed Christ. Went and sat with him, shared. He gave his life to Jesus. Oh, man. I sat with an 85-year-old lady in hospice who's served Jesus all her life and has learned the beauty of God. And she reflected the peace of a deep spirituality that actually has been with me. I've been to see her twice in the most beautiful way. What I've noticed is, a, is in Christian maturity that those in their life who have devoted an abiding and a fellowship and a closeness with God and have kept that intimacy, they enter the final journey with such peace and such beauty because the Lord is filling their lives. I've been with people that have railed against it and they are angry that they're dying. But I've been with people, a friend of mine, it, ALS, he couldn't speak, he had no ability, just his mind. And he wrote on a little thing, I said, what are you thinking about, Andy? And Andy wrote, I keep singing in my head songs to the Lord. He said, he said, I, I sing this same song again and again. I said, what's that song, Andy? He said, Spirit of the living God. Fall afresh on me. 
That man spent his life in devotion and worship. And when he had no voice and at the point of death, he sang in his brain a choir. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And I can imagine that the angels came to that hospital room and they joined in in his thoughts. And he simply closed his eyes and was promoted to the glory of God. That's why abiding is so important, dear friends. Don't wait. Go deep now. Go deep with the Lord. And go close. Let's pray together. Maybe you, are, you honestly need a bit of renovation of the soul. A bit of reviving. A bit of closeness. You need to develop spiritual habits that take you to the next phase. And maybe this morning you can decide to actually go a little further than you've been going and go a little deeper. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Lord, I pray for each one of us now that you will please help us To go farther, to trust more, to commune, to consume scripture and allow us to go deeper into you, Lord, I pray. Whatever age we are, may we know that closeness and that prayer life and that intimacy in Jesus' name. Amen.